You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In the featured documentary, The Trials of Daryl Hunt, filmmakers Annie Sunberg and Ricky Stern follow the case of a brutal rape murder and a wrongly convicted man, Daryl Hunt, who spent nearly 20 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. Sunberg is a producer-director who works in both film and television. She produced the independent film Tully, nominated for four Independent Spirit Awards. Stern is a producer-director whose films include the award-winning In My Corner, a documentary film on the world of amateur boxing and the lives of the young men who train in the South Bronx. Annie Sunberg, Ricky Stern, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Hi, how are you both doing today? Great. We're doing well. That's, We're that's... back in another edit room. <laughs> <laughs> Annie, how did you first hear about Daryl Hunt? Actually, no, this is really more of a Ricky question. Okay, Ricky? I had a friend who is a private investigator who worked on Daryl's case, and he called us in about 1992 and told us that he thought Daryl was innocent. Daryl, at the time, had been convicted twice in two separate trials. And we came down not really knowing what the story was. We were interested in the case. It sounded interesting. We spent a couple weeks shooting a hearing, and it was clear from the hearing in 1992 or 93 at the time that things were not as they seemed in the case. And we ended up filming this Daryl story over a 10-year period. And um, so we had no idea at the time that we would be investing 10 years on and off uh, following his case. But that's basically how we got, um, first got interested in the story. Did you know when you started off that this was going to be a, a documentary? Or did you just go to take some footage and, and uh, see what happened? We went hoping that there would be a documentary story in it. You just never know how it's going to turn out. But we thought that the story was compelling and we we could see how it had very much split the community of Winston-Salem, that it was a case in which the African-American community felt one way about the verdicts and the white community felt another way about the verdicts. That alone, the, the polarization of the community was interesting. So there were, there were several levels of the story that were interesting immediately to us. I also think that, too, like with any documentary, um, it's funny. They're often crazy fishing expeditions unless you're covering an event or a competition. People's lives and the way things play out, sometimes it's always a matter of time, sort of having faith in the characters that you choose. Ricky, you were at that hearing that you were talking about in 92-93. Were your friends' notions of his innocence reinforced? We really did not know. Uh, we believed that Daryl's defense team was truly convinced of Daryl's innocence. They were very compelling and um, seemed, you know, very invested in Daryl because of his perceived innocence. But we really couldn't tell. I mean, we didn't know. We didn't know enough about the case. And the prosecution was also very convincing at that one particular hearing. But over time, we got to know the defense team and began to really believe in their fight and their struggle. And then it was in reading the trial transcripts you know, all several thousand pages of the two different trials, that it just seemed bizarre that he was, that, that, that there were questions, and questions in the, in the case, and it seemed worth investigating further. The documentary includes a lot of news footage that you researched and got hold of. Was it difficult getting uh, any of that uh, footage? <laughs> 
that, I mean, I think the archival footage is, was one of the trickiest aspects of the film. We were really lucky. We both worked a little bit in, in some television stuff when we had started, so we knew the practices. These smaller stations just do not hold on. I mean, they, they trash material even a couple of years after they've run a story. And wherever we could, we'd try to grab beta masters. But what's really remarkable is in the end, it was literally some members of the, of the black community who had taped some of these pieces that had been covered. It was the first trial that was televised in Forsyth County. So there was media coverage of this, which is why, in many reasons, it had such an impact throughout Winston-Salem. People were aware of how this was playing out. It was amazing for us because, in the end, it was some people who literally videotaped stories as they were coming across their television set, and that's allowed us to tell some parts of the story. It's obvious from the footage that something wasn't quite right when the prosecution was so anxious or eager to accept the words of uh, well, the testimony of Klansmen, who asked sort of after the fact step forward to say, oh, yeah, I saw something. And then they have DNA evidence, and they're, they're uh, still convicting him, even though the DNA doesn't match. They, they supposed, well, they, they just didn't collect his DNA at the crime scenes. Was there a turning point for you, Annie, when you really started believing that Daryl Hunt was innocent? For us, about, you know, I think... Within the first year of working on the film, we all felt pretty compelled by, you know, by everybody around us who really believed in Daryl's innocence. And then when the DNA evidence came through, I think for all of us, we were absolutely stunned and shocked that, you know, one, that the case wasn't thrown out, but two, that he never even was granted a new trial. And that's when we really started to feel, I think, a sense of personal outrage and a certain amount of frustration that even our, our efforts as filmmakers and sort of outside media attention you know, there had been a little bit of the hope at one point that maybe people would do the right thing because there was sort of an extra set of eyes on what was happening. I, I just, I was really astounded at the time of the DNA verdict when Daryl didn't get a new trial. And that's, I think, when we really, again, there were many points when we sort of recommitted to this story, but that was a big one. Yeah. I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Ann Sunberg and uh, Ricky Stern. Uh, they're the producer-directors of The Trial of Daryl Hunt. The Trials. There were many of them. I'm sorry, The Trials. Pardon me. <laughs> many, the trials, many, many, the trials. Of the, and what is also remarkable about this film is the character of Daryl Hunt in the sense that there are a couple of occasions in which he could have gotten out from under this and chose not to. Daryl's refusal to take the plea bargain is, for us, I think, the hallmark of, of Daryl's character. And, I, and for all the reasons why it would have been so easy and so good for him personally, it was so morally not the right thing to do. I mean, Daryl has always said that for him, plea bargains are, it's just a dangerous bargain with the devil because nobody ends up with the truth. People are compromised in every which way with a plea bargain. Everybody loses. But for Daryl to refuse it, it was such a testament to his own sense of integrity. It was really, it was was remarkable. I mean, there were two occasions when he could have gotten out from under this and chose not to. Yeah, he's, he seemed almost to be a saint-like character yeah. to me. Did you have a chance to meet him at all and, and get to talk to him? Throughout the years of filming, we filmed him in, in prison. And so we got to know him through the, those experiences. And we liked him, but we really did not know him. And it was not until he got out in 2003 that we've been spending a lot of time. I mean, in fact, he was at my house last week for dinner in New York or something with Annie. And, you know, he is an amazing person. And you're right, a lot of people say he has almost like a saint. Like, he he truly is as amazing as he appears in the film in real life. I mean, he is just someone who is not bitter. He is full of forgiveness. And he wants to do good things with his life. He's just a very driven person. And, he does not want others to have to suffer they, the way he suffered. 
to be wrongly incarcerated for 20 years for something you didn't do. He's fighting now and working. He has a program in Winston-Salem. He's chosen not to leave Winston-Salem, but to actually his office sits right in the center of between the uh, courts and, you know, the district attorney that tried him in the first case. And he sees them every day, practically, the people who, who put him in prison. And he sits there as a reminder yeah. not to do this again. And he has a program, the Daryl Hunt Project for Freedom and Justice, that works to help prisoners coming out of prison into reentry, into getting jobs and getting back on their feet, as well as innocence projects. He works with people who claim that they've been wrongly incarcerated and helping them find legal services. Are there lessons to be drawn from this, that this community is a lot like the rest of America, or it's not like the, a lot of, of America in the sense that race and class can become such a prominent part of the prosecution of an individual. I, I just feel very strongly that Daryl's case is sadly, it's not unique. Yeah. And Daryl will tell you this. I mean, I think the, the typical stats right now are roughly 6% of people serving time in prison are wrongfully convicted. And when you look at numbers that are on death row or people who are in for life sentences, it's chilling to think that, you know, in America, that's sort of what we're, you know, that, <laughs> that's acceptable. Um, it's also, I think, for, for us, the lessons to be learned the notion of trying to move forward and, and rebuild a life. I mean, I think that what Daryl has gone through and the way he's been able to help other people, I know that was really sustaining for him even when he was in prison. Daryl is a wise soul. I think he's known himself since he was probably, you know, a young man of 19. And I feel like for people who, who do look at criminal justice systems, there's plenty of areas for reform. And I also think for people who are inside, if we're ever going to have potential rehabilitation, people have to have some lifeline to the outside world. Because I think for many, in many reasons, that's why Daryl has been so successful. If he had a family and a, and a group that really fought to keep him connected to a life outside of prison with the hope that he would eventually get there. It's obvious there is a racial component to all of this. There is, but I, I really don't think Winston-Salem is really any different than any place else. I mean, maybe there's some more overt cues. If someone's a Ku Klux Klan member, then that's pretty defining characteristic. But I, I think that the subtle racial overtones and prejudice that are in all of us, that are in everyday life, um, play out and are, are, you know, have devastating consequences in the criminal justice system everywhere. And I think the lesson to be learned is that this goes on everywhere, yeah. that the case was an example of how racial prejudice can influence the outcome of a, of a trial. When there, and also when there how class. Mm-hmm. And so, right? I mean, we had, we had Amadou Diallo uh, yeah. here in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, well, you can go back to, of course, there's the political pressure of getting someone finding someone responsible for a heinous crime. I go back to the documentary Thin Blue Line, like, where you can, you can see where political pressure was brought to bear to get somebody, hold somebody accountable for a terrible crime, and that seems to be somewhat of a component in, in this case also. Yeah. I'm wondering, too, at what point did the people involved in the case, other than, than, than the lawyers that, are, uh, that were working for Daryl, at what point did it become obvious that there, there is a documentary being made here? Um, Well, you know, through the years, we would call up the district attorneys and the community people, the uh, news people, and say, you know, we'd like to come down and do an interview. And I think they just thought we would never get it done. Uh (laughs) You know, it took so many years. They granted us interviews periodically, and even one district attorney called him, you know, eight years later when we got back into it, and he said, I I never granted you an interview. I said, well, we have it. You know, we'd like you to comment on the case now, and people would forget. So I I think 
no one, I mean, we had no idea that it would have also, in, in finishing it, that it would have such an impact and it would be so well received. So I don't think any of us, anyone really knew. Well, speaking of which, the public recognition of this film, uh, you've been nominated for a Independent Spirit Award. You were a nominee on the uh, IDA, the International Documentary Association Awards, and you've been. Uh, this film has been in. It's in the final running, final fifteen, I believe, uh, documentaries that are, are being considered for an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Does that give you the chills? Or? Yeah, I, what do you think? Are you <laughs> yeah. Gonna, <laughs> we just want we just want to get the nomination so we can walk down the red carpet with Daryl Hunt. <laughs> well, that, that that would be wonderful. It, would that happen if you get the the? Uh, would he if oh, going... we'd bring Daryl. Oh, sure. good. I mean, that yeah. would be a wonderful moment. I, I hope yeah. it happens just for that. I mean, but it's it's yeah. a great great film. But but just to, to see Daryl there, I, I'd yeah. love to hear what he'd have to say to to the Academy. Yeah. I'd love to yeah. hear what he'd have to say. But this is, a, I just have to say, this is a testament to who Daryl is. The moment at the end of our film, when he oh, you yeah. know, turns to face the victim's mother, I asked him, you know, after that, I said, had you thought of this? Had you planned on what you might want to say to Evelyn Jefferson? And he said, absolutely not. He said, it just really? came to me in that moment. Like I say, so before he has a self-knowledge and just a, a wisdom that it's, it's been an amazing gift to get to know him. Yeah. Well, are you seeing any kind of ripple effect from the film? Are you getting a lot of requests for people to do documentaries on, on, their, yeah. on their case? We're getting emails all the time yeah. from people saying, hey, are you aware of this case, or yeah. have you talked to this person? And then we're using the film over the next year after it premieres. We'll be working very closely with law schools and journalism schools, both with sort of existing innocence projects. In some ways, as motivation for us, we're also working with white shoe law firms where people are doing pro bono legal work Correct. to encourage people to get involved in helping to, um, especially in, in researching potential defense for wrongful convictions. Well, in case people don't quite understand the magnitude, you mentioned the percentage, 6% of the criminal population. That's uh, roughly 350,000 people, I think. That, that's what I was just going to say. We have a criminal population in this country, a prison population of over 2 million. I think it's 2.2 mm-hmm. million. So mm-hmm. you look at you, the numbers you're, you're, you're talking about. Are, this is a significant amount of people that are in jail who, uh, who, who should not be in jail. Right. I mean, and Daryl, in essence, was lucky because he had DNA, and DNA, you know, mm-hmm. conclusively um, excluded him yeah. from the crime. It was, you know, there are so many other people who have no DNA evidence. We're just fighting an uphill battle. Right. Well, once again, I, I want to thank you both, Ann Sundberg and Ricky Stern. The film is The Trials of Daryl Hunt. Thank you for being Thanks. on Film School. Such a thank pleasure. You. Thank you. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.